In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 10, starting from verse 30 to the end of the chapter. It's a small uh, passage. Uh, let me give you a background before we're starting. Uh, a lawyer, lawyer doesn't mean attorney. Lawyer is the one who interprets the law of Moses. So he asked the Lord Jesus Christ, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And by the way, this is the gospel of tomorrow. So the Lord told him, how do you read in the law of Moses? So he answered correctly. He told him, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor yourself. So the Lord told him, go and do exactly what's written. So the lawyer wanted actually to justify himself. So he asked him this question, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Yes, the commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. So this commandment can vary from one person to another depending on my understanding or my definition of who the neighbor is. So the lawyer wants to justify himself by saying, if I don't love certain people because they are not my neighbors, and the commandment is very clear, love your neighbor as yourself. So the Lord answered him by giving him the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is start from verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. I want you to notice that the priest did not look. The priest came down, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. But the Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and he looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he saw him, he had compassion. So he went and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii 
Give them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. This is the end of the story. So, Jesus answered by telling a parable about unfortunate man who was robbed and beaten on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. The journey was about 21 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho is 21 miles. For the most part, it is rocky and desert. So, and also the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, because it is desert, according to Josephus, was known for crime and robbery. Crime and robbery. So this traveler had fallen among thieves who had robbed him, and then he had left him dying, half dead and half alive on the road. Jericho was a city for the priests. So they go to Jerusalem for the service, and when their service was over, the priest would return to his own home in Jericho. So, why the priest, when he saw this person, he did not stop to help him? There are many possible reasons. We know according to the old covenant law, if you touch a dead body or a bloody body, you will be ritually unclean. And you need to spend one week to be purified. And this was the case for any Jew. But for the priests, such impurity also would prevent them from service in the temple until purity was restored. So perhaps this was the reason why the priest did not stop to help this man. Another reason, maybe the priest thought that the road is too dangerous to stop and help man. Because as I told you, this road was known by crimes and robbery. Also, maybe the priest giving him the benefit of the doubt, he didn't know how to help an injured man. Or maybe when he saw him, he thought it is too late to help. But the fact is, he passed by him on the other side. The priest and Levite are mentioned here because, number one, they were the most frequent travelers on this road because the city of the priest is Jericho 
So they are traveling all the time between Jericho and Jerusalem. And also, it is the nature of their office to do works of mercy and to help people in need. So it is expected that this priest and the Levite to help this person. The Levite did not only see the person, but he came and looked upon him. He came and looked in a cold curiosity. So this added more to the neglect of the priest. The priest just passed by him. But you came and looked, and then you neglected him and, and walked. This actually more troubling. Then, for the sake of a strong contrast, the Lord brought the figure of a Samaritan. Why Samaritan? Because the Samaritan was very far from being a neighbor to this Jewish man. Uh, there was enmity between Samaria and Judaism. So, in the mind of this lawyer who asked the Lord Jesus Christ, who is my neighbor? In his mind, he never ever accepted the Samaritan as a neighbor. Jews and Samaritans despised each other, both racially and religiously. And the culture gave the Samaritan man plenty of reasons to hate this Jewish man and not to help him. But this Samaritan, instead of passing by, he loved him. Loved him unconditionally because this man was an enemy to him. And loved him sacrificially. He helped him and was willing to spend for him. This Samaritan did not wait to be asked. He saw the need of this person in front of him. And sowing the need was made enough, was enough to make him to do something. And I want you to notice four things here. He saw the need. He moved with compassion. He extended his hand to help him, although he was his enemy. That is the definition of mercy. The definition of mercy is the ability to see the need in others. Many of us cannot see the need in others. Number two, to develop compassion for them. Number three, to extend your hand to help them. Number four, even if they are your enemy. That's mercy. This Samaritan gave freely of both his time and his resources. 
And every detail in this story is in harmony with the tender compassion described that he had in his heart. And he was not afraid from the robbers or from the crimes. And he used oil and wine, which actually originally he kept for his personal refreshment. But he freely gave what he kept for his personal refreshment in order to help in the cure of this person. Because wine containing alcohol had an antiseptic effect on the wounds of the man. And the oil was used to soothe any wound, to ease the pain. Then he took this man and set him on his own animal, meaning that the Samaritan himself walked. Then he took him to the end, and he gave two denarii to the innkeeper. Two denarii number two represent love, which means he loved this person unconditionally, limitlessly, and sacrificially. So these two denarii would provide for the man's need for some days. And then he promised the innkeeper that whatever he spent the more, when he returned, he will give him. The church fathers offered many or a great number of interpretation of this parable of the Good Samaritan. So, from relationship point of view, the Lord wished to stress the importance of having a compassionate and kind heart and to accept all mankind from every race as our neighbors, as our relatives. St. Jerome says, we are relatives. All of humanity are related to one another, for we have one only father. There are two families. The family of the mankind, which include every single person in the world. Because all of us are children of Adam and Eve. The second family is the family of God, which includes the believers. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and get baptized, now you join the family of God. But my neighbor is either from the family of God or either from the family of humanity. Also, the early church fathers, they have a spiritual and prophetic interpretation of this parable. Saint Severus said, 
Who is this man, the Jewish man? So St. Severus says, our Savior did not say men were going down. But he said a man was going down. So he said, this man is Adam. And due to his disobedience, the disobedience of Adam to the commandment of God, humanity fell from the paradise dwelling on high. So Jerusalem is a symbol of paradise. Adam was kicked out of the paradise, came from Jerusalem. Scholar origin says, according to the interpretation of one of our fathers, man going down represent Adam. And Jerusalem represent paradise, and Jericho represent the world. The robbers are our enemies, the demons, Satan and all his soldiers. The priest represent the law, the time of the period of the law. The law could not help us. The law actually is like the x-ray, showed us our illness, but did not cure our illness. And the Levite represented the prophets who looked at our injury but couldn't do anything, neither an angel nor an archangel, neither a patriarch nor a prophet you have entrusted with our own salvation. Jeremiah looked at the wounds of the people and cried and wept. So the priest and the Levite represent the law and the prophets. Then, who is the Samaritan? The Samaritan is Christ. And why he is perceived as Samaritan? Because he was perceived by his own people as enemy. Actually, they cursed him and said, he is a Samaritan and he has a demon. He came to his own and his own did not accept him. And the wounds are the wounds of sin, the wounds of disobedience. Then this Samaritan took this man and put him on his animal. The father said the animal represents the flesh, the humanity, the body that our Lord Jesus Christ took and we carry it in his body. When we partake of his own body and his own blood, we become one with him. Then he took him to the end. What is the end? The end is the church that is open for all who want to come in to be treated. As St. John Chrysostom said, the church is not a hotel for the sinners, but a hospital for the, sorry, 
is not a hotel for the saints, but a hospital for the sinners, those who are wounded. The owner of the inn is the Holy Spirit who guides the leaders of the church and who provide for it. And the two denarii represent the Father and the Son. Now we received the knowledge of the Holy Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So God, before his ascension, he entrusted us to the Holy Spirit when he said, I will not leave you orphans or fatherless, but I will send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the Samaritan said, when I come. So there is a promise of return that the expectation of the second coming of Christ. So all these symbols that I just mentioned to you were mentioned by scholar Origen in the second century. Origen said he derived them from one of the old scholars who could be either St. Clement of Alexandria, his spiritual teacher, or his predecessor, St. Pontinus. St. Ambrose accepted the interpretation of scholar origin and spoke uh, elaborately of it. We read about the innkeeper who represent the leaders of the church, the hierarchy of the church, who are guided by the Holy Spirit. So the innkeeper took care of him. This is the work of the servant of Christ to do, to feed the souls by the word of faith and the sound doctrine, to minister the gospel to them in faithful manner, and by constant administration of the ordinances of the scripture. Also, it is the responsibility of the church leaders to be diligent in watching over the flock, both with respect to the principle and practice, not to compromise the principle of faith. And their practice should go hand in hand with the principles. To speak the word in a season to them. The Samaritan who represented Christ, he said, Whatever more you spend, faithful servant of Christ, spend much and are at great expense of taking care of souls of men. They spend the time in fervent and frequent prayer to God, in diligent searching in the scripture, in the hard ministry 
of seeking the lost sheep and constant exercise and improvement of their spiritual gift and talent. Even in the loss of their health or even loss of their life for the sake of Christ. As St. Paul said, I spent and I am spent. The Samaritan told him, when I come back, I will repay you. Christ will certainly come again to judge both the living and the dead. Then he will recompense all the servants for their toil and their labor, their care, and what they spent. So after the Lord finished the parable of the Good Samaritan, he asked the lawyer a question in verse 36. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who was fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The question of our Lord Jesus changed the nature of the original question of the man, of the lawyer. The lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? So in this story, if we're going to answer this question, who is my neighbor? The answer would be the priest and the Levite for the Jewish man. But we can see how the Samaritan, through his action, became a neighbor to this man. In another way, the Lord said to the lawyer, don't ask who is my neighbor, but go and make yourself neighbor and relative for every single person, even those your enemies. So the point under discussion was as to whom the Jew should look on as his neighbor. If, if the Jew, we asked this Jew before this accident, who is your neighbor? Definitely would say the priest and the Levite. But the Lord answered the question indirectly to show that this Samaritan proved himself as the true neighbor of the Jew. The Samaritan had shown himself as a better interpreter of the commandment of God than the lawyer. The lawyer asked, who is my neighbor, to justify himself, to say, I cannot love the Samaritan because he is not my neighbor. And the commandment says, love your neighbor. But this Samaritan understood the scripture better than the lawyer. He made himself a neighbor even to the enemy. The Samaritan had recognized a neighbor even in the Jew. Therefore, the Jew himself recognized 
a neighbor even in the Samaritan. This Jew, after he was healed, he recognized that the true neighbor was not the priest or the Levite, but the Samaritan. So the deep understanding of this parable, the meaning of which the mind of this lawyer was able to grasp. And he knew that the Samaritan is a true neighbor because he made mercy. So this Jewish lawyer, in spite of the prejudice and jealousy, but was honest enough to confess to the Lord Jesus Christ that the neighbor in this story is the Samaritan. But I want you to notice, he was not able to pronounce the name of the Samaritan. That's why he replied and said, he who showed mercy on him. So still there is grudges in his heart. He was not able to say the Samaritan is the true neighbor. But he said, he who showed mercy on him. So the Lord Jesus Christ allowed this parable to answer the lawyer's question and to guide how we apply this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? The reply should be, whoever needs my help, whoever I have power and opportunity to help him, no matter What's his rank or race or religion? My neighbor is the one right in front of me and needs me. And whoever put this in practice, the Lord will reward him in his second coming. So the love of God is not complete without loving our neighbor. And loving our neighbor means loving every single person in humanity in unconditional, sacrificial, and limitless way. If we keep these two commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, that is the completion of the law. So the parable also answers a deeper question. Do you remember what the lawyer asked in the beginning? What was his first question? His first question in verse 25, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So in other words, what are the virtues that I need to inherit the kingdom of God? The scripture, St. Paul tells us, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. No one shall inherit eternal life. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, we can see the nature of the true holiness. We know that 
we can please God and we have access to the genuine holiness when we have true love to our to the others to our neighbors even if my neighbor is my enemy verse 38 now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus feet and heard his word But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So, in this passage, in this story, two kinds of services are mentioned. The service of Mary and the service of Martha. Service of Martha, actually, it is service in the love of neighbor. The service of Mariam was service in love of God. Contemplative life and life of service. Actually, the lawyer, when the Lord asked him what's written in the law, he said the two greatest commandments is the love of God and love of the neighbor. And we can see here in Mary, the love of God, and in Martha, the love of the neighbor. And also the Lord Jesus Christ, in many times, he emphasized these two commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. We see Martha here, as attentive hosts to the Lord. Service, love your neighbor. And Mary, as attentive disciple, love the Lord your God. Why God blamed Martha? This question we need to answer. He came to a certain village. A scholar say this village is Bethany. This is where the house of Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10 are the same Mary and Martha in the Gospel of John chapter 11 and their brother is Lathers. Bethany was situated on the east side of the Mount of Olives, which was located on the east side of Jerusalem. Some people say Bethany means house of obedience. Others say Bethany means house of toil and suffering. 
Mary and Martha, along with their brother Lazarus, were their friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is easy to imagine that Martha wanted everything perfect when Jesus came to visit. In verse In verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The word also here shows that Mary too, in her own way, was anxious as much as Martha to give Jesus a fitting reception. So both of them were excited. But Martha was excited to prepare everything for Jesus. Mary was excited just to sit at his feet. Martha did nothing wrong in working hard to prepare for the Lord Jesus Christ. This was good. So, what was her problem? Martha had two problems. The first one, according to St. John Chrysostom, she served in the wrong time. There is a time to sit at the feet of Jesus, and there is a time to serve. Serving in the wrong time is not right, is not good. Martha did not distinguish between the time to sit at the feet of Jesus and the time to go and prepare food for him. She served at the wrong time. That's why many times I say those who are preparing food during liturgy, they are doing exactly like Martha. They are serving at the wrong time. Liturgy is time of prayer and worship. Then after liturgy is time to prepare food, but not during the time of the liturgy. That's the first problem with Martha. The second problem with Martha, as St. Luke described, she became distracted with much service. What does it mean distracted? She was distracted from Jesus. She was focused on the service. Many times, as Sunday school servant, or as board members, or as deacons, we became so preoccupied with the service, and we became distracted from Jesus. That's why we fall in many sins. We became short-tempered. We became irritable. We became judgmental. This is exactly what happened to Martha. She became short-tempered, irritable, judgmental. Pope Shunuda, one time he said, you served the house of the Lord. When are you going to serve the Lord of the house? 
Don't get distracted in service. While you are serving, keep your eye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to know whether you are distracted or not? If you became short-tempered, if you became irritable, if you became judgmental, if you became unkind to others, then you lost it. You lost your focus on Jesus. It is impossible to have your focus on Jesus and then you became angry or short-tempered or irritable or judgmental of others. This was another mistake for Martha. It's easy to look at all what we do in service and to criticize others who are not doing the same. So, the real problem of Martha was not Mary, but it was Martha herself. Many times we blame others, but others are not our problem. It's us that I lost focus. I am getting distracted by the surface and I lost my focus. She became distracted and had taken her eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. Martha did not judge Mary only, but he, she judged the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Lord, do you not care? So she went to Christ blaming him believing that he would look upon it as very reasonable thing that Mary should help, should help her. Tell her to go and help me. She believed that a word from the Lord Jesus Christ would go a great way with her sister. She became a complainer. Again, do you want to know whether you are distracted or not? If you became a complainer in your service, then you are distracted. Then you took your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. If you lost the joy and peace, then you took your eye off the Lord Jesus Christ. If you, can, if you cannot put up with the weaknesses of others, then you took your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. She complained about Mary. Mary left me alone to prepare and serve alone. And she complained about Christ. You don't care about me. You are not concerned. And, and, and Martha, in her mind, it was necessary for the Lord Jesus Christ to observe this and to order Mary to help her. Also, the Bible teaches us, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. But Martha did not think it is proper to speak to her sister. So she went to Christ directly. Sometimes when my brother or co-servant bothers me, 
And he stood and go and talk to him. I jumped to Abuna, I jumped to Sayyidna, I jumped to the Pope. Like Martha, she went to Christ. She's your sister. Go and talk to her. But in her anger, even she refused to talk to her sister. She went to Christ. Christ has authority. He can order Maryam with one word and Maryam will do it. If I go to the Pope, if I go to Sayyidina, Sayyidina will say one word and everything will be solved. The Lord in his kindness, he rebuked Martha gently. He told her, Martha, Martha. You can see here tenderness of reproof. That's why he repeated her name twice. Like when he said, Simon, Simon, Satan is about to save you in Luke chapter 22. So here the Lord st start to reprove, reprimand her, but in tenderness. And we can sense the love in the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he told her, you did good that you are serving, but you are missing, missing one thing that's needed. What is the one thing? He told her, Mary, choose the good part that will not be taken from her. What is the good part of Mary that Martha is missing? It is the simple devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, loving him and listening to his word, keeping her eyes on him. Either you are living a contemplative life like Mary, or you are living a life of service like Martha. You need to keep your eye on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one thing you need, the devotion. If you are living contemplative life and studying and reading and researching and doing all this meditation and reflection, but your eye is not on Christ, then you lost this one thing. If you are living the life of service and you are going from here and there, serving and helping others, but your eyes are taken off Jesus, then you lost it. Mary, her focus was on the Lord Jesus Christ. Some scholars said one thing you need can be taken literally or spiritually. Uh, so, Literally means in our life, we don't need many, many things. There is difference between what we need and the wants. The more you grow spiritually, your needs will be very, very little. 
If you feel that you need many, many, many things, these are needs and must for you to live, then your spirituality is not growing. In a way, for example, a single dish can supply your need. So, what are your needs here in life? In life, we can live if we have food and, and clothes, it is sufficient for us. One thing is needed. Little things. With Christ, you can say, with you, I do not need anything here on earth. That's literally. But spiritually, all what you need spiritually is your devotion and love toward God. As St. Augustine said, love God and do whatever you want to do. So the one thing that you need is your devotion, your love. So this story of Mary and Martha can give us three types of persons in this world. Some people like Mary, those who keep their focus on God all the time. They do everything for the glory of God. As St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30. Whatever you do, whether eating or drinking or doing anything else, do it all for the glory of God. That's the first group. Second group, some people like Martha. Those who diligently and with best and good intention, they want to serve God, but they did not have this one thing, the continued focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And this results in great frustration. They serve diligently, but they are frustrated because their eyes are taken of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the third group, people who do not do either. They don't have their focus on Jesus and they don't actually serve others with good intention like Martha. Some people, they are not even in the house of God with the Lord. They are too busy with their own pursuits in their own life. This actually concludes chapter 10 from the Gospel of St. Luke. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.